You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house here for a new week, Monday, the 27th of March. And thank God we are back in full force. I feel a lot better. Um, Thank you again for all your prayers and wishes. And gosh, this couldn't have come at a better time because I need my full strength plus. I know some of you see me full action on Twitter at RM Conservative, my articles, even worked over the weekend this week. No rest for the worry. Look, it didn't even take us three months to get to get to this position. Those of you who are with us from day one know my views about this current president. I mean, nothing surprises me and probably a lot of you in the audience. But nonetheless, we wanted to make this work. You deal with the hand that you're dealt. And we figured maybe there are some issues that we could work with him on. And we're still going to try. But how about it? Make the swamp great again. Make the GOP establishment great again. Take everything that is wrong with this false flag of a Republican Party and accentuate it. Step on the gas pedal. I understand you know, a lot of people say, oh, Donald Trump never ran as a true conservative. Yeah, no one thought he was a true conservative. But he sure as hell didn't run as a, as a swamp monster. As an insider, as a guy who's going to sit and join with the moderates and the liberals and the establishment types and bash conservatives. That's for sure. You know, a lot of people are wishing me congratulations, saying, hey, you know, good job. But there's a lot of sorrow here. It's sad that what victory looks like is to prevent your own party from tossing an interception. So we tackled our own players from tossing an interception. Now, how do we actually throw a touchdown? How do you put in the hearts and minds of a party something they don't believe? And and, and furthermore, everything in politics is a messaging war. You have to build the case to the American people. You have to be articulate. You have to be principled. You have to be consistent. You have to be smart. How do you imbue that in a party that doesn't believe in it? And that's the problem. You know, the polling has waned because they stopped litigating the case against Obamacare. They don't know what Obamacare is. They agree to the Democrat premise. You know, public opinion is very fickle on issues. It turns on a dime. And that's what a president is for. So we're not done with repeal of Obamacare by a long shot. We had to block a more insolvent version of Obamacare that Republicans would get blamed for. We'd get blamed for it. Conservatives would get blamed for it. But don't think we're done. We are not done because we can't move on. This is one-fifth of the economy. It will determine whether we're a free people, whether your average family could afford the most basic needs and services without unsustainable crushing debt and government uh, entitlement. (laughs) Tax reform. I'm going to get to that in a minute, by the way. 
the, the, the phony fraud behind the whole premise of so-called tax reform, what it even means, where we're headed with that, and why we shouldn't even touch it. But the point is you can't move on to tax reform because, first of all, the biggest thing you want to do on taxes is equalize the employer and individual healthcare market. So it's healthcare. You want to give individuals the same tax deduction that employers get. I mean, ideally, I've said all along you take both away and have a tax cut, but you know that's probably politically too hard at this point. But we can't move on, and we're not going to move on. And my promise to you is we're going to keep working with the Freedom Caucus members to make this happen. We're not going to allow these guys to get away with a betrayal of probably the worst lie in the, in the history of politics. They never wanted to repeal Obamacare, but they have the nerve to say we're the ones that don't want to repeal it. It's unbelievable. But we're, we are not going to move on. Couple friends of mine want to put on put on a summit on free market healthcare in Northern Virginia, and and invite some of the Freedom Caucus members and, and keep making the case. Ideally, you'd have a president doing this. You'd have a president using the bully pulpit, going around to a lot of venues, going around to some of these you know the doctor that Sean Hannity had on from Wichita, some of those that are innovating, talk about what innovation looks like. But no, there's no substance. As Donald Trump told members himself in private meetings. Details don't matter. I don't care about the details. Yeah, one-fifth of the economy. Details don't matter. I want an immigration bill. You could stick amnesty in it. Better vote for it. I want a tax bill. You could stick tax increases in there. Vote for it. Oh, I want a health care bill. I want a repeal of Obamacare. So you could stick Obamacare in there, but vote for it. Folks, that is weapons-grade stupidity. That is very scary. I don't I don't know how you recover from a presidency like that. And by the way, the stuff I'm hearing from individual members, the stuff he's done, the 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 way he treated them is unreal. The threats and everything. It's worse than you think, worse than you know. And and again, when when the liberal Republicans, McCain, Graham, they attack him on immigration, attack him on judges, he doesn't say anything. There's a C word for that. No, I don't mean cuck, although, you know, the word popularized by many Trump supporters certainly does apply to him. But that's a coward because that tells me he's not an equal opportunity tormentor, a guy who's just going to be brash and bold and say whatever is on his mind. No, he's not going to go after the moderates. He's not going to go after those that pissed on the budget he put out, but evidently probably doesn't really mean to really push for it because it was conservative policy staffers in his administration that pushed for that budget. I don't see him fighting for it. The one thing he fought for is to keep Obamacare. The one the one group of people he fights against are conservatives. You know, what went on with the Freedom Caucus is a lot more than health care. None other than Donald Trump himself said in the art of the deal, quote, you can't con people, at least not for long. If you don't deliver the goods, people will eventually catch on. And that's what the, that, that's what this is about. The Republican Party for a number of years with a small aberration of Reagan and a couple years with Newt Gingrich, it was a scam. We spoke about this ratchet before where the Democrats define the playing field. They define the policies. They inexorably move the country way to the left, both on cultural issues, fiscal issues, the debt, dependency, any measure you want to um, use. They are always winning. They always win. Even when they lose elections, they win on policy. 
Republicans define victory by starting at where the Democrats picked off. And, dem, you know, Democrats want to go another 10 tranches beyond that. They'll go nine tranches beyond that. And this is where we are. Oh, this is terrible. This is unconstitutional. Oh, it, it's a scam. They get in there and then, you know, the naive group of us, and, and I know many of you liked my parody I had on why the Freedom Caucus and Meadows need to apologize for actually taking them seriously. But we, we take them seriously. And we think like, yeah, I now we're in power. Now we're going to do this, right? And they look at us like we're from Mars. Are you serious? You're going to repeal Title I of Obamacare? In the very Obamacare repeal bill that they're saying repeals it and is accusing us of not repealing it. So they ripped the scab off here and showed that this entire party is a scam. It's a talking point. It's like a joke. It's like an inside joke. Yeah, we're going to wave the flag and then we're going to pass some random bill, have a fake fight with Democrats over it, have a fake fight over one minor provision, agree to 99% of the premise, have a fake fight over 1% and call it a day. That's basically what the Republican Party has been since the Great Society. You know, it's amazing. You just look at any measure. I'm, you know, you guys know I'm very young. I'm in my 30s. And I'm already, I've already been doing this for long enough that I have to pinch myself. I remember I was fighting certain budget numbers and programs, you know, six, eight, even 10 years ago. And we would die to go back to those spending levels now. I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, um, when, when you become a budget nerd like myself and you start, you know, have a certain memorization of different budget figures, you know, the cost of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, defense, yada, yada. And the the num the cost for Medicaid is now what Medicare used to be when I was starting out. And we're not talking about ancient history. We're talking about a time where we said it was profligate. The Bush Obama era. I mean, the debt is out of control. The size of government is out of control. The entitlements are unsustainable. And we can't even... And, and, and again, the Freedom Caucus themselves agreed to not do full repeal. <laughs> they were going to keep... All the, we agree, look, if they said, if, if this is what we need to compromise with the, with, the, with the phonies, we'll keep some of the Medicaid expansion, we'll have some degree of subsidization beyond that, but the regs have to go. I mean, you keep that... You can't move without that. But no. They, they accused us of moving the goalposts. Had they actually did move the goalposts. They, they agreed to not do full repeal, even, even the Freedom Caucus. But before we go on, I, I just want to... I, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but and I rarely do it. You know, there's a lot of negativity and... I, look, I wish I can give you more positive news, but there is something very positive to be said here. There's a lot of cynicism. Everyone lies to us, even the good people we thought, and the, 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 you know, everyone winds up lying. It's hard to imagine how you could have anyone good in politics anymore, but we do. You know, it's easy to do what I do for a living. I don't have too many friends on the inside. So I don't have those personal relationships I have to worry about. I rarely go face to face with them. And that's a big part of my secret sauce. I don't, you know, a lot of people think I live in DC. I don't, I live 50 miles North. I rarely go in. Um, and like Mark Levin, I work from a bunker. So I'm just able to say what needs to be said, talk with people over the phone, friends who are in Washington and get the story straight. And, 
you know, have the information, but not be close enough that I get taken in by it. But to be a sitting member and to endure what they've endured from a from your own party president and not just like a Jeb Bush, a guy that's perceived still by many of their base, their constituents as a tough anti-establishment, amazing, refreshing voice. It's amazing. I, I am I am blown away by their courage. You have to understand how staff, unlike Senate staff, is very small. Everyone thinks Mark Meadows, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Freedom Caucus is nothing. There's one staffer, really. I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from him. But he has no extra staff. And, you know, he doesn't have the temperament of a Ted Cruz. It's just not his personality. So I want you guys... You know, everyone always asks me, what could we do? What could we do? And it feels like we can't do anything. And, you know, whatever we do is not influential. Well, look what one man, look what one man can do. The courage of one man. I am so enormously proud of him. Um, He is so refined. Just so you know, Mark Meadows is a refined person. Um, He never speaks ill about anyone, by the way. You know, like. There's some members I'll, I'll trash talk the rhinos with. He'll never do that. So it's it's ironic. You have all these rhinos trashing him on Twitter. He will never respond in kind. He is the most refined human being around. He's a God-fearing individual. He's such a – him and his wife, Debbie, just I, – I, I mean, I cannot say enough. Um, we always think the worst of politics, but th- he is the best you will ever find. Um, j- just as a just as a – decent human being i mean aside from being a principal conservative um so i mean i don't have you know in front of me but you know where to find him you know you google mark meadows for congress and you go to that donate page you want to make an make an impact and make a statement that is how you make a statement and what i mean by that is this not like oh my gosh he's in trouble trump and the rhinos and ryan and ryan's are going to go after him I could tell you from what I know of him personally, he doesn't care. He doesn't need this. He's, he's you know, kind of retired from his real estate business. Him and his wife, they, they, they travel back and forth together. They, they I, I often catch them. Um, and unlike some of these Marie Antoinette members, he actually drives himself. Um, you know, I'll often call him and he'll, he's filling up his gas tank on, on his way back to North Carolina. Um, just... This is this is the statement you gave. He doesn't need it for himself. Oh man, he might lose a seat. So what? But it's a tragedy for us if he doesn't get reelected. We need him because we need him doing what he's doing. So that that if you want to know, and and there's several other guys. I mean, you know where they are: Jim Jordan, Dave Bratt, Ron DeSantis, Louis Gomez. I mean, I, I don't want to forget anyone. Um, but I think we all agree that Mark had this really just by virtue of the position he's in, he he received all the fire and he's receiving all the fire now, the incoming fire. So, I mean, amidst all the gloom and doom, it's a truly a beautiful thing that despite all the adversity, there's a group of people now committed more than ever. And I could tell you they're in a better place than than ever before. You know, the Freedom Caucus was a dream of mine for a number of years to kind of, you know, because ultimately we need a freedom party, and that's, you know, we're going to get to that a lot more. We do need a new party. We always have needed a new party. Um, but, you know, short of having the ability to do that on the fly, this was the next best thing to 
serve as an ad hoc parliamentary system where you serve as a block and tackle mechanism where, hey, you know, you want the votes, you got to play ball with us. So you vote as a block. Um, you know, it, was, it took a long time to really get off the ground and they were kind of ineffective. They have a great executive director um, and I have a lot of confidence in what they're doing now. And 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 don't think they're going to wither in these attacks. I, you know, I hear their their spines are stiffening and that's a good thing. So this is where we are now. We will continue. We're going to work with them to continue making the case. No, no, no. You're not going to get away with your drive-by. Now it's time to build the case for real, real repeal. Now, unfortunately, it's going to take a little bit of time now because you have to rebuild your messaging because it was destroyed. Let's do it right now. Right here, right now. So we're going to keep making the case for free market health care. We're not going to give up on that. But let's go on to this business of Trump says, I'm going to do tax reform. Well, what, what does tax reform mean? The devil's in the details, and you said details you don't care about. <laughs> what, what does he mean? I'd like to know what he means by that. And by the way, he's out there saying now he's going to work with moderate Democrats. I guess he's showing his true colors now. Now, the good news for us, by the way, is Democrats are so intransigent. So first of all, there's no such thing as a moderate Democrat. Show me one. And no, Joe, Joe Manchin is not a moderate. It's every county um, in West Virginia voted for the Republican presidential nominee, both now and you know for Mitt Romney four years ago. So he's in deep doo-doo. So he has to kind of play a double game. He's a complete fraud. And certainly everyone else is, is a radical, radical, radical leftist. Not a single, even, even moderately liberal Democrat. So the fact that Trump thinks there's moderate Democrats in itself should be very disturbing. But moreover, just politically, Democrats, even if you give them what they want, they're not going to deliver votes. They, they want to see this presidency fail. Uh, there's just they've learned from Republicans. I mean, there's no when you're in the opposition in this climate, you just block and tackle. So, you know, they're going to do their thing. But it's pretty telling. And again, I'm just reading, you know, there's more news about his uh, State Department working on banning Israel from building in the quote-unquote settlements. Doesn't that sound pretty Orwellian based on what we were talking about in the twilight days of the Obama administration? Once a Democrat, always a Democrat. So that's where we are with this president now. And and, and the sad thing is, these bastards, and when I, I mean the Trump, Ryan, Reince, the rhinos, they are the party of no. We have so many ideas that they, no, that's not an option. And including the ideas that they promised. Repeal of Obamacare, cross state lines, equalizing tax treatment for individual plans, expanded HSAs. I mean, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel. I have some ideas that, are, that the establishment hasn't mentioned, but they officially run on our ideas. Let's do it. Right here, right now. Like I said, we're not going to give up on it. But let's talk about tax reform in our remaining time. Oh, and wait, actually, before we get to tax reform and that issue, I just want to say this. Some people are saying, well, Daniel, let's just give up on this for now. Let's just wait until it collapses. Here's the problem with that. When was the last time we faced an imminent crisis and we had more free markets? The result was more conservative. Think of 9-11. You know, you would think, oh my gosh, I mean, we'll do the right thing. We won't import the Middle East. We'll shut off immigration. 
No. Instead, we doubled it, and we just created the Department of Homeland Insecurity. I mean, that's what we do. Um, you know, think back to TARP and the bailouts. So if you have insurance crash in this country 100%, yeah, in theory, if you had a conservative party, you'd say, hey, you guys failed, you caused it, now it's time for free markets. You guys know that is not going to happen. We're going to go in the exact opposite direction, single payer or just a massive insurance bailout. So that's that's what's going to happen there. But anyway, we say we're going to do tax reform. So look, we're already running out of time here, and I wanted to speak about this more. I fundamentally disagree with the premise of doing tax reform. I really do. Um, You know, of course, before you throw eggs at me, of course, of course, of course. I am certainly not one who loves the tax code. Certainly, if we could have a flat tax, ideally a fair tax, just consumption-based, repeal uh, the 16th Amendment, we'd be in good shape. But until we do that, the reality is a couple things. Philosophically, it's stupid to focus on it. What is the battle of our time? What's the triage that we need? You know, if, if you had to create a graphic, <clears throat> you know, where on the left side is Utopia, you know, the Garden of Eden, <clears throat> the right side is Sodom and Gomorrah. And every last thing that trends down, 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 our values are unsustainable. <clears throat> the war on religious liberty, the homosexual transgender agenda, um, immigration trends on so many levels, that needs to be addressed. And then on the fiscal side, it's the regulations, it's the Leviathan, it's the spending, it's the size of the Leviathan. It's the other side of the ledger. The spending and growth of government, that is our challenge. And, and, and furthermore, Tax, see, taxes used to be the linchpin because revenue used to be the source of the Leviathan. It's not. It no longer is. Debt services it. Because we have service debt on the cheap with low interest rates the last 15 years, that's how we just exploded the, the welfare state. So you could, you know, let's, let's say we'd had genuine tax cuts, and I'm, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. We're not going to get that. It's not going to choke, choke off the Leviathan. So, you mean, tax. Cuts used to have serve a dual purpose. A, it's pro-growth. You allow more people to keep their money, spawns more economic growth. And then B, it chokes off some of the Leviathan. It doesn't do that anymore. So, the, you know, taxes are no longer the nourishment of the welfare state. That's number one. Number two, we're not dealing with a surplus like Bush did when he, he had his tax cuts. Um, we're dealing with massive debt, massive growth of government. Now, I'm not one of these guys that thinks, oh, you know, in order to get your own money back, you know, we have to balance the budget in that sense. I think you cut spending. But I'm just saying the reality is we're increasing military spending. We're not dealing with entitlements. There's no room to go. There is no room to grow. So by definition, any so-called reforms any tax reform is going to run up against that problem. Well, uh, we're going to blow a hole in the deficit. So that's why you're not really going to get good tax cuts. But then moreover, there's something more fundamental. Every time they talk about flattening the tax code, guess what? It's not flat. They make it even more progressive. There is a certain reality that we all know and understand that most people don't pay federal income taxes. Not much. I mean, a lot of people, half the people... And the Bush and Reagan tax cuts already squeezed almost all the juice you could squeeze out of that. 
and knocked out the bottom brackets, there's not a lot more you can do. Now, certainly there's a lot more you can do among the people that actually pay the taxes, but it gets demagogued. Now, I think if you had an articulate conservative party, you could punch through that. I'm not saying there's not what we could do, but they are not going to do that. So what's going to wind up happening is you're going to get Trump's progressive populism at the top with raising taxes on the the rich, which isn't good for the economy, obviously. You're going to have Marco Rubio style throwing more fundable tax credits at the bottom because we have to give tax cuts to to the working class, right? But they don't pay taxes, so we give more fundable tax credits. I'm just telling you, that's what happens every time. Um, And then you're going to have the whole Trump border adjustment tariff, which is horrible economically. So we're not going to wind up with a net net tax cut. You pick up that ball, there's one option, an interception. You will not throw a touchdown with that. It's not, it's not an emergency. Our tax code is not unsustainable. It's bad, but it's not as bad as the spending and the growth of government and immigration, national security, and the Muslim Brotherhood, and the values and all other things we care about. It does not need to be addressed. It's stupid. So, you know, it needs to be addressed through Article 5, getting rid of the 16th Amendment, or the other extreme, just doing small ball. Uh, yeah, at some point I'm going to write about this. There's some small targeted things that I think are very good messaging, getting rid of the double taxation on Social Security, the marriage penalty. There's certain no-brainers that I think we could win up with the Democrats on. But in terms of comprehensive tax reform, no good is going to come out of that. I'm just I'm just warning you right now. Um, and I, I'm already seeing that, They're, you know, progressive stuff. And then even on the corporate level, um, Let's face it, it's a good talking point. We use 35% highest corporate tax rate, but we all know with the deductions, the effective tax rate for most industries is about 20%. Again, it's not that we can't do better and there's not more we can do, but will Republicans do that? No. What you wind up having is an effective tax increase because they'll get rid of all the deductions. They'll say, all right, then we'll lower it from 35 to 25 or 27 or something. That's been a plan you know, put on the table before. And that's a net tax increase. I'm sorry. So th- this is nonsense. The devil's in the details. And that's why Trump needs to work with conservatives. We have a lot of good ideas. And especially on immigration, I'm going to have a piece out on that today. Instead of saying, I'm going to work with Democrats, which is nonsense because there are no moderate Democrats um, and they're not going to work with him anyway, no matter what he gives them. So he's going to be left without a base. And that's why we need to go back to health care. Because like I said, I mean, the biggest thing you can do on taxes is really equalize the health care treatment. So, I mean, but what's the point if you have no individual market? Meaning one of the big things we can do is give that deduction, the same employer uh, tax exclusion on health care you give for individuals to purchase their own plans. That would solve the original sin of health care. But that only assumes that you repeal Obamacare and you have a healed individual market for people to pr- purchase plans in. We don't have that. So what's the point? So, so stop talking about tax reform. We need to repeal Obamacare. That is the bottleneck of everything. My guarantee to you is we're going to continue fighting for that. But we got to back our guys. We got to back the good guys in the Freedom Caucus. Got to put our money where our mouth is. And by the way, that means also supporting CRTV. Get your annual subscription, Levin, Dace, Malkin, Crowder, and more coming this year for 99 bucks your entire year. More content that you'll know what to do with. Also support 
our sponsors at preparewithcr.com. Preparewithcr.com, Patriot Depot offers you 140 ready-made emergency supply meals for, again, just 99 bucks. Good deal. Um, I always need, need a supply in my house anyway. You know, it's just good. Kids get hungry and easy thing. Just pop in the microwave. Good to go. Um, but anyway, we're going to have a lot more this week. This week is going to be chock packed. Keep following me at RM, at, on Twitter at RMConservative as well as conservativereview.com. Thank you and God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.